Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor What's Vinny. What do? How would you describe it? Yeah, so first thing I'd say, we call ourselves Veg, just because uh, that's what the letters spell, and we're not embarrassed, and there's really nothing crazy negative about Veg. Vegetarians, vegetables, all good things. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, the, the simplest way to put it is our company is a national family of pet emergency rooms. So uh, just like you have emergency rooms for people, yeah. uh, pets get into all sorts of emergencies, and they need emergency rooms as well. And so we just have a, a national group of uh, 40 veterinary pet ERs around the country. Is there, I mean, so I was in um, Las Vegas, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago, but I was talking to someone that, that owns a vet um, hospital and they said that their numbers went drastically up when they started taking reptiles in. I mean, is, do you see that for your different uh, hospitals or is that like across the board or is that kind of an anomaly? I'm just... Uh, not really. I mean, the, the, we have some hospitals we, because we have hospitals really all over the country from, you know, in the, in the Northeast and the Southeast, West, Midwest. Uh, uh, there are some variations by hospital. There's some weird things that we can't necessarily explain. Our hospital in Lincoln Park in Chicago uh, sees more exotics than um, than many of our other veggies, many of our other hospitals. We have um, our practices down in Florida tend to see more we'll call them exotics, birds, lizards, uh, snakes, things like that. Um, and uh, we have you know one hospital out uh, in the uh, in the Bay Area in San Ramon, California. They see a ton of exotics as well. But uh, for the most part, these are not uh, number one. Uh, reptiles are not super super popular pets like dogs and cats. Yeah. Um, but uh, and a, a lot of people just don't think to bring them to the vet. And then also there aren't the full spectrum of emergencies. Uh, we all we do is emergency. Something that I didn't mention about our elevator pitches, you know, we really are the only uh, national brand of veterinary emergency provider. There are a lot of other people that focus on sort of everything, but we're the only ones that focus exclusively on emergency. And because of that, we say, you know, I'm wearing my sweatshirt. We say emergency is our middle name. Yeah, literally. It's all we do. And so uh, we do it better than anybody else because we, we've really found a completely unique, bizarre, out of this world way of doing emergency that really provides a, uh, a really crazy differentiated experience for um, for customers, uh, people that come in with their pets. Have you, I mean, let's rewind a little bit to a young David. Young David, was he into animals? Was he into more building a brand? I mean, who was young David kind of growing up? Yeah, I think this is a great message for um, people who are uh, uh, entrepreneurs starting out, uh, people who want to uh, become entrepreneurs. Young David was a screw up. Uh, young David uh, managed to get get himself kicked out of high school. I know that two of my kids are on a plane, uh, and so they can't hear this, uh, but they've heard it in the past. But I got kicked out of high school for um, mooning my teacher. Uh, that that happened, uh, and you know, I just I had a lot of problems at home uh, when I when I was a kid. My mom was sick for a very long time. I acted out. I was looking for attention, and uh, well, I was, you know, I was smart, uh, but I just didn't do well in school and got myself kicked out. And the biggest lesson I think I learned is that you shouldn't let school or your performance in school dictate what you can and can't do in life. Uh, school is school, grades are grades. Um, but I actually find very little correlation between the, the people that I meet, between how they did in school and how 
quote unquote successful or happy they are in life. And, uh, you know, so for me later on in life, I realized, you know what, I'm pretty smart. I could do a lot of this, uh, a lot of this academic stuff. And I went back and I graduated from two Ivy league universities. And so, uh, you know, even though I got kicked out of high school, so there's some proof for you there. So what I would tell my younger self is, uh, number one, you know, you shouldn't have screwed up so much. Uh, maybe, you know, don't pull your pants down in class, but, um, but I would say, don't let school tell you what you can and can't do. That's probably a message for most kids. Don't pull your pants down in class. Um, just uh, that's the way I start off. Ever I teach like little kids, I'm like, you know, rule number one: pants on. <laughs> now, question: Do you think? I mean, and maybe you've thought of it, maybe you haven't thought about it. Do you think that the reason why you mooned uh, the the principal or the teacher was because you weren't pushed? Because you said you were a smart kid, you weren't pushed in school. Wasn't like. Or is it more of kind of just being kind of a class clown or have you ever thought about that? The latter. I was a class clown. It's okay. funny. I started off, uh, you know, in some of the lower classes. Uh, sorry, I take it back. I started off in, uh, in, let's say the middle of the range classes and uh, they decided David's not doing well because we're not pushing him. He's not challenging us. So they put me in some of the higher classes and I was just as much of a class clown in the higher classes. And so they actually had to make a lowest class for the worst kids in the school and they made this like it was like the sweat hogs like we were like the, the worst kids they made that class uh for us no you, you said you i mean got multiple degrees after high school and got kicked out i mean what changed in your life that actually pushed you to actually go to school you think someone got kicked out of school it'd be like okay i'm done with that i'm gonna do something different i mean what happened um i think a lot of things uh i i have at different times in my life attributed my call it turnarounds uh, to, to specific things. I think it's a combination of several things. Number one, uh, when I was 17 years old, uh, my mom would have been sick for much of my childhood. She eventually passed away. Um, and uh, I started realizing that life is short. That made me realize life is short. Uh, I was living overseas. I kind of ran away after my, my you know, failure in high school. Uh, I just tried to get away. I moved to Israel, which is sort of a family tradition. I lived in Israel for, ended up living there for about five years and I joined the Israeli army. Oh, wow. And uh, so I, you know, I served in the Israeli army. That taught me a lot about growing up. A combination of life is short. There are tremendous experiences out there if you just reach out and grab them. Hmm. And uh, all of those things in total really taught me that uh, life doesn't happen to you. You make your life. Hmm. And that set me on the right path. I, I was in the army after that. I came back and I, you know, I started off at, uh, at the state university of New York in Albany and, you know, crushed it there. Uh, just that one year that I was there and said, you know what, I can do much more. I transferred to Cornell university, graduated from there. And then I went to the university of Pennsylvania for veterinary school. Um, but all that was just using this. I just, I grew up, things happened to me in life, you know, terrible things happen to people in life. And often they grow from them. Challenging things happen and you grow from them. Those things happened to me when I was like 17, 18, 19 years old. And they just grew me up and, and um, you know, made me into an adult. When did you start coming come to the realization that this was kind of like the pathway that you're going to go towards? Was it right when you came back or was it just in school kind of over time? Or when did that kind of happen? Yeah, you know, when I was younger... I thought I wanted to be an artist. You know, we take kids, we tell like, what do you like to do? I like to draw and I like animals. And they said, you should draw animals for a living. Like, which is the, just the craziest logic ever since, you know, I, I don't know, it's a crazy job drawing animals. Um, but I think when I was, when I realized that I was able to do really well in school, I looked back on my life and I said, you know what? I, I really had always wanted to be a veterinarian. Um, I love learning about animals. I love um, helping uh, people fixing things for them, making things better. 
And uh, so I said, you know what, why not, if I can do all these things, why not pursue my actual dream of becoming a veterinarian, which I'd given up on when I was much younger. Now, you graduate, graduate from school. There's sometimes a difference from what you learn compared to what you learn in the real world. What were some things you picked up when you kind of transitioned into start your own practice? Um, so I first, the, for the first 10 years of my career, I worked in other companies. Okay. Uh, I very quickly got into uh, emergency veterinary medicine specifically and realized that uh, I love helping people with their pets when they need it most. I used to, when I was a little kid, I said, you know, I love, I love animals. And then you say like, well, I love helping animals. Then you realize there are people attached to the animals. It's like, I love helping people with their pets. Um, and then when you do emergency, you're like, I want to be like right in the thick of it when there's like real crisis, real action. That's your biggest opportunity to make the biggest difference in the shortest amount of time. That's when I fell in love with emergency. And I devoted myself to emergency. I really became a, a leader in the hospitals that I worked in. I ran the emergency service at the first place that I, I did really an internship there and I stayed on. And then, uh, then I worked for a company. Actually, I, I joined them. Uh, it was, uh, it's probably still one of the nation's largest uh, chains of specialty practices, oncologists, dermatologists, neurologists. Uh, and I started with them when they were really one, one hospital in Tampa, Florida. And I ran, I, I worked with them in emergency. And then they opened up another place in New York and I, I ran the emergency service uh, there and um, was with them for about eight years and really watched them grow this company. Uh, after uh, after <coughs> about eight years, really all along, I was, I'm the kind of guy that's, uh, I think this has to do with my rebellious younger self. Um, I was always focused on what was broken and what could be done better. And we're never afraid to say, yeah, sure, even, this is, even though this is the way it's been done for the past hundred years, I was never to say, afraid to say like, I think that's just wrong and I'm going to do it in a better way. And so I, um, I found myself at that stage in 2013, having worked emergency for, uh, for 10 years saying, you know what? I know emergency better than everybody else does. I can, I know what's wrong. I can tell what's broken. A lot of it has to do with the way we treat our customers and the way we treat our employees. And, uh, the fact that emergency is stuck into these bigger specialty hospitals. And if we can just change that, we can do emergency in a really, really great way. That's when I decided to strike out on my own in 2013. When you had this uh, kind of epiphany, was there any thoughts of you trying to change the company you're in or was it, I'm gonna have to do this on my own? I was always changing the company that I was in. I think that uh, has pros and cons. I think people loved it and hated it. I, I know that for now, our best ideas come from inside. They come from people who learn about emergency. They learn about uh, what we do about our brand of veterinary emergency. And they're so well acquainted with it. If, if they are also creative people or just people looking to challenge the status quo, looking to fix things that are broken, those great ideas bubble up to the top. So I was that person. I was constantly saying, we should do this better. We should do that better. Um, I have to remind myself of that now. And when, when our people give me ideas, I get tons of ideas you know, thrown at us all the time. And sometimes I'm like, ah, don't bother me. I just want to like focus on this. I have to remind myself like, that's how Veg got here by listening to those crazy people, those crazy ideas. Um, so yeah, I was constantly doing that. I was constantly pushing us to do things differently. But um, you know, as uh, as that company that I was with grew, they become they became uh, less able to actually listen to those ideas and implement them. Well, now I mean, with the the, the size that you're at, 
how do you allow yourself to take on those ideas and make it okay for people to give you those ideas? I think it's like anything else uh, that you're going to do great. You, you know, it's, uh, great companies don't just happen. Uh, it yeah. requires a lot of, you got to know what you're doing and it takes a lot of intentionality. And so we have built a culture. Our first core value is openness. And openness is the way that we run our ERs. Um, there's no, you know, the, the norm in the emergency world is to separate people from their pets. If you've ever been to the vet, they probably take your dog or cat and, and bring them to the back uh, where they, you know, they'll take blood, they'll give injections, they'll do tests, x-rays, et cetera, and you stay up front. There's a lot of lack of transparency there, which can lead to anxiety. It's, you know, a thousand times worse during an emergency. Hmm. Um, and so we we have really the only veterinary facilities like this period where um, it's just one giant open space where pet owners and pets are there together. And in fact, every, like, you know, sometimes you go to the ER, the people ER, and there's like, you know, there are curtains separating you from the next emergency, the next family having an emergency. It's just a yeah. curtain. We don't even have curtains. We just have everybody in one giant open room and everybody can see everybody else. Um, so we really attack openness. Uh, we're very, very serious about our core values. And so openness is one of our core values. We like everything about our ERs have to be open. And the same thing about our company. Everything is full of openness here. Everybody has my email. Most of them have my cell phone number. Um, they will text me, email me. Uh, I spend, I don't know, 75% of my time out in our front lines at our hospitals, um, talking with every single receptionist, every single doctor, every single veterinary nurse. Um, and they can come over and ask me anything, send me any crazy idea and, and, and I'll respond to them. Well, I guess two things, right? With the idea of uh, being so open in, I guess, your practices and then also in, in the business with the practice do the 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 animals ever kind of fight with each other and with the business <laughs> you uh, how do you stop it from taking too much of your time of getting inundated with so much ideas where it's like you have to work on other things the two things with the animals uh the, the pets that are there it's funny when you um when you discover something that is naturally right uh i don't i don't know if i i don't want to get into an argument whether there's objective right or wrong or whatever it is. when there's something that's like naturally right it solves a lot of problems and so, um, you know, people would take pets away from their, uh, away from their families um, because a lot of times the pets would struggle and bite and all that kind of stuff with their people. And they're like, well, he's being protective. And so if I took him away, it would be better. But really what that means is if you can't see it, then, um, you know, we can restrain your dog and you can't see it. So that's just better. Um, what we solved is when we kept people and their pets together, uh, that actually made the pets more calm. And uh, they sort of pick up on the openness, the relaxed environment, the nature. And so they're, they're much more calm. Uh, and then, yeah, it's a weird thing. Uh, the pets will all be in the same room and we don't have fights in the back between, <laughs> between our customers and one another, between our customers and us, or between pets and one another. And, oh, wow. uh, you know, uh, with the exception of, you know, the occasional, um, you know, really angry cat or dog, uh, you know, between the, the, the pets and us. So that's, that's with the pets. In terms of me keeping myself uh, functional, efficient, despite all this, I'll argue and say like, that is my job. Hmm. Um, you know, my job in this company is, you know, there's this, this is great book um, uh, called The Leadership Challenge, which we give to all of our leaders. And it has five practices of exemplary leadership. Modeling the way is the first one. And that's um, really being what I'll call uh, in Yiddish, a mensch, being a good person. Um, I have to model that way for everybody. 
and show that it can be done and also show that this is the way we do it. So I, you know, I model the way there's inspiring a shared vision, which is, I have to have a vision. And th I love those three, uh, those four words, inspire a shared vision. And that is like, you have to inspire that vision. Um, it has to be a shared vision, which means everybody has to buy into that. This is what we're trying to do. This is what we're trying to make our company. Um, you have to buy into that. Otherwise you're in the wrong place. So it has to be shared and you have to actually have a vision. You have to present your people with a vision. This is what we're trying to do. And you try to make it clear for people. Um, that's, that's a really important thing that I do. It's just a lot of standing on a pulpit and preaching. This is what we're trying to do. You're headed that way. We're headed this way, making sure people buy in. Um, there's one of those five practices that's challenge the process and challenge the process is that it's like, if you're in a company where you think they're doing things in a broken way, they're doing things that are not naturally right. Um, uh, you need to like speak up about it. And if I'm going to encourage the challenging, the process as a leader, I need to listen to those things. That is my job. Uh, it eventually becomes, we have to systematize it. Meaning eventually right now we have, uh, you know, close to 3000 employees, you know, at some point we'll have 30,000 employees and I really might be inundated. Um, but then we'll develop some system by which I can sift through those ideas, uh, and pay attention to the really important high return ones. Do you have a, a um, like a rough system of when you t get an idea and how you kind of break it down to actually see if it's something you want to implement or is it off your gut or. Um, it is off my gut, but I do have some great, very literal specific things. We have our culture is extremely well-defined. If we're famous in the veterinary industry, it's for our culture. Um, and a culture is not just, if people talk about culture, like good, is it a good culture? Is it bad culture? Um, it, to me, it shows they don't actually understand culture. You know, I'll ask you with the Vikings, was it a good culture or a, bad, or a bad culture? You know, the Vikings thought it was great. You know, if you went in there, you'd be like, yeah, this is great. You know, like, you know, I love the fish. But like, you know, the, the, then the human sacrifice starts and you're like, oh, maybe yeah. not for me. Our culture, culture is about very, very specific things. And cultures are either right for you or they're not right for you. They either align with your values or they don't align with your values. We have a very, very specifically well-defined culture. And so I have, so sure, I'll go with my gut for ideas, but I also just look back at the definitions in our culture, our four core values of openness, togetherness, heroic helping and meaningful moments. Um, I'll look at our belief in leading through love and not through fear. Um, we have these kind of core tenets of our company. And I look back on those to help me make my decisions about what are good ideas and what are not. That those um, core values, the, the culture, was that built over time or was that something that was in the works when you're at the other companies for that 10 year period? Yeah, it's built over time. Um, they were honestly, to a large degree, built as a reaction to the other companies that I've worked for. At, okay. They're kind of at the heart of fixing what I thought was broken about other places. This sort of privacy, secrecy was sort of the name of the game in other. And, you know, people talk about that. And it's one thing that employees always hate about their company is sort of secrecy. Um, and so we built a company built around openness. Um, there was this idea of uh, some people are more special than others in other country in other companies. Um, we built our company on a core value of togetherness. Um, we're all in this together. Um, heroic helping is really what emergency is all about. It's going above and beyond. It's meeting a greater need with a greater sacrifice. Um, and meaningful moments is really what moves our our customers, but also what moves our veggies. We call our employees veggies. Um, are these meaningful moments that that you create? Um, you know, somebody brings in their pet that's dying, you, you save their life, um, you know, everybody cheers. Or even something mundane, like some dog ate, ate a sock 
And in front of everybody, we induce vomiting in this dog and he throws up the sock and the whole room like cheers, you know, like, hey, it came up, you know, like <laughs> um, those are meaningful moments. Uh, so those things we built over time and they weren't built just by me. They were built by bringing on a whole bunch of like-minded people who were dedicated to a shared, that shared vision. We're all emergency people. So therefore we're all people that are really into heroic helping. We all love the same things like that moment when you like create a big difference, that's a meaningful moment. And so if you bring on people like that, uh, it tends to, you tend to bring on people with shared core values and that eventually became our company's core values. I mean, talking about bringing on, I mean, bringing on the right people, I think is, I mean, talking to most entrepreneurs, right? The the right people around you are going to actually build your company out, right? So being that you have such a strong culture there, I mean, is there like a process in your hiring that it kind of weeds out maybe individuals that might not be a good fit for the company? Yeah, we have some people in our talent department who I want to like, you know, bring on right now and like ask them that question and say, like, <laughs> you know, what have you done? We've made great strides towards that. Um, coming up with people talk about Southwest Airlines has like their brown shorts question where they, you know, they bring in a bunch of potential pilots and they're like, hey, we need you to put on these brown shorts, you know, and the ones who are like, you know, sure, no problem. Those are the ones who move on to the next level where, you know, people who are too stiff to do that, you know, that's it. They show them the door. Um, we don't have anything really like that. Um, we do have a lot of questions in an extensive interview process and extensive sourcing process that does also reflect back on our core values and specific tenets of our culture to look for people. Um, so we, we definitely do have that, but I wouldn't say we have it down to a science. There's still a lot of gut involved, a lot of meeting with um, our greatest veggies and seeing like, you know, is this your kind of person? Um, then there's, you know, in terms of you were talking about bringing on people, as you grow a company, you bring on, you know, you, you, uh, we started off with a lot of emergency veterinarians and emergency veterinary nurses. And because we're an emergency veterinary company, we did that. As you grow, you have to bring in people in a, um, into our corporate office, you know, our, uh, we, we call veg quarters. Everything is a pun at veg. So it's our veg quarters, um, VQ. And, you know, you have to bring people on that don't have the expertise that people in a veterinary emergency business would have. Um, people in finance, people in marketing, people in uh, talent acquisition. Uh, you, you bring on all these people, uh, they somehow have to also align with those core values. One of the, I would say probably the the biggest uh, moment in Veg's history was when I brought on my business partner, David Gladstein. Uh, and, you know, he's, you look, you, you would look at him on paper and you'd be like, you know, you know, finance bro, right? Like worked in private equity. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he approached me, sent me an email one day because he was just uh, not happy in his previous job. He was just, He's like, what I'm doing, it's just this sort of uh, gerbil wheel, uh, you know, of a, of a career and, and didn't feel like he was doing anything meaningful and wanted to help grow a company. Of course, as, you know, as, as a business person, you're just an engine. You need, what is the car that your engine is in? What are you enabling? Mm -hmm. And so we love the vet space. I've been following it for a while and reached out to me with an email. I answered that email and invited him to come in and what he did great was he was able to see we had one crappy. Now that's not true. We had two hospitals at that point, but one of them was super small and crappy. We moved out of that building. So, um, and he was able to see those two hospitals and say like, you know, veterinary emergency, this business, and even look at me and say, here's somebody who's um, just, you know, an animal who wants to change the world, mm -hmm. uh, recognize those things and say like, yeah, this is a company that I want to be a part of. Um, and, uh, and I think because, because of our, I guess what attracted him to our company and the opportunity attracted somebody who happened to also share those core values. Maybe that's coincidence. Maybe it's divine providence. I don't know, 
but uh, you know, I have a business partner who's a business dude um, who happens to really value openness, togetherness, heroic helping and meaningful moments. He loves making meaningful moments happen and celebrate them. He loves being a heroic helper. He'll do these like SOSs and like fly down to one place and like hire a million doctors over the course of like three or four days. He's a heroic helper. Um, loves togetherness, super social guy. Um, you know, loves, you know, bringing people along on trips with us and, um, and, you know, openness. Uh, I mean, the two of us, if I had a dollar for every time we put our foot in our mouth, um, by, you know, uh, spoiling things before we're supposed to, you know, we have more money than we do now. Was, was there ever a moment being that you were, you had two company or two businesses at that time or two, um, locations at that time. And then this person wants to be your partner. I mean, you're giving up some of your, I guess, authority. Was there ever a moment where like, I could do this myself? I don't need someone else. Or was it the right person is going to help me get there? <laughs> the easiest answer is if you think I could do this myself, you're crazy. Um, <laughs> like, I, I mean, here's the thing. I, I'll, one, one great lesson that I learned is uh, one, we have this ethos. It's another part of our culture. And one of, the, one of our ethos bullets is we've got something to prove. Um, and... In one way, it, I have a tremendous chip on my shoulder. All those people that doubted me that I, when I was younger, that like, yeah, David is that screwed up kid. Um, when, I, when we have our greatest successes, I look back on that. And I'm like, you know, and I give them the kind of imaginary mi middle finger in my head. I'm like, screw you. See what I've done. Um, but it also means we have something to prove means we know that we have something. We also know that we have to prove it. Uh, and it's this perfect, reminds us of the perfect balance between humility and ego. To be successful, you have to have an ego, which means you have to be confident about what you're good at, what you're actually good at. Have that self-awareness to know, you know what, this is, I'm, I'm good at this and I'm confident that I'm good at this. But also the humility to know, like, I don't know the first thing about that. Um, and so I need somebody who, who's good at that. Right. Uh, David and I have like the perfect balance there. It's like, look, I think if you scour the earth for like a really experienced, crazy emergency vet, you'd come up with me every time because that's the kind of person that I was like. You know, poured 10 years. I worked overnights for 10 years straight. Um, was really, really committed to emergency and being able to do all the cool things that, that emergency people do. Um, so I'm really good at that. Um, I started dabbling in business and it turns out, like, I have a decent business sense, um, business mind, but I don't have the training in it. Um, and David was just, I mean, he was just born for this stuff. I mean, for him, he's been involved in business. He's one of those guys who's like, you know, somebody gave him, you know, some, some stocks when he was, you know, five years old and, you know, and he did amazing <laughs> things with them. Um, you know, he'd probably be, you know, turning lemonade stands, like franchising lemonade stands, uh, you know, when he was, when he was younger. So he was just built for this stuff. Um, and I, the company would be like, I couldn't, we couldn't have grown this company without his expertise by the same token. Um, as he's the business guy loves veterinary emergency, but like, you need to have, you need to have a veterinary emergency dude who knows a ton about veterinary emergency and what, what customers want, what patients need, and what veggie employees, what ER professionals need and want, you need to have that. So we need look, to look, looking back at um, kind of what you created, do you look at one moment that was like the biggest like uh, adversity you had to kind of go through or speed bump you had to kind of work through to get where you're at? Um, no, the terrain is like one giant bumpy terrain. <laughs> um, and I can, you know, with like, recency bias i can think of probably something in the past year and be like that was the biggest hurdle but then like you know three years before that like ah, that was the biggest hurdle um i don't think that there was one one really giant hurdle our company was formed um uh i have a chief of staff her name is anna she's she's amazing during her interview uh she 
really made this assessment of our company is we got to where we are by uh, taking, putting one foot in front of the other in a very clearly defined direction. We were looking to be the world's veterinary emergency company. We had core values of openness and togetherness. And we took, we put one foot in front of the other towards that direction, sometimes going off course and getting back on, sometimes stumbling, et cetera, but we always knew where we were going. Um, and so I think, uh, man, if I had one piece of advice for like every entrepreneur on earth, it would be to um, find your focus, know what your company does, be able to like say it really succinctly. For us, our mission is helping people and their pets when they need it most. Um, and that is like the definition of veterinary emergency. That's our function on earth. Veg's function on earth is to help people and their pets when they need it most. Uh, and to know that that's what you do, that will keep you, put you back on course. Just whatever stumbling block, you know, falls in your way, um, you can climb over it, get around it and get back on, on track because you know where you're going. So it's having kind of like the faith and you know where the, the finish line is uh, to get through the, the adversity they're kind of working through. Exactly. And I feel bad for companies that like don't exactly know, like for us, everybody that joins our company, they see the value and the amazingness and the heroism and helping people and their pets when they need it most. I feel bad for companies that are like, you're another accounting firm, you're another law firm. And the question is like, you know, what is your meaning? What drives you every day? And you're like, you know, we make the world a better place through, you know, uh, doing the accounting for companies that do really cool things. Um, that is like a lot of stretches. I, you know, it, it can be done and, and a lot of companies do that, hmm. but we come with meaning baked in. I mean, what could be better than like saving the lives of puppies and kittens? Like if you were, I guess if you were like a unicorn manufacturer, like that would be great. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? But like, uh, we <laughs> saving the lives of puppies and kittens, like that is the most, most meaningful work out there for five-year-olds and, uh, 25-year-olds, 35-year-olds, 45-year-olds. Uh, so um, we have it, we have it easy in that respect, but we have to discover that and focus it and say, you know what, more better than anybody else ever did is we identified that and said, you know what, we can actually make a world changing business out of that. Everybody else before us just kind of like tacked it onto their business. You know, they said like, yeah, you know what, we should also sell these. Mm. Um, but nobody else looked at it and said, you know what, these things are actually really remarkable, really special, needed all over the world all the time. We can actually make like just a these store. And that's what we did. When you look at kind of where you're going, I mean, do you have a, a five-year plan saying, hey, this is where we're going to be in five years from now? That's uh, like trying to predict the weather in five years from now. <laughs> um, I, we have, I mean, look, we have our five-year plan is kind of the same as our 10-year plan, which is to be the world's veteran emergency company. Right now, if aliens landed on Earth, imagine like before there was Starbucks or anything like that, right? Aliens landed on the planet and they stopped an Earthling and they said, you know, Earthling, what is this planet's coffee shop company? There wouldn't have been an answer. Um, then along came Starbucks. I'm like, now there's an answer. Whether you like Starbucks coffee or not, yeah. um, aliens land on the planet and they say they can stop anywhere, like almost on any continent and say, Earthling, what's this world's coffee shop company? And they'll say Starbucks. Um, right now, if aliens landed on the planet and they said, what is this? You know, you have all these pets, all these people all over the world have these pets. They seem to care a lot about them. Those pets have a bad habit of just getting into shenanigans. Uh, they have emergencies like, what is this planet's veterinary emergency company? And there'd be mm -hmm. no answer. And so over the next five, really two, three, five, 10, 20 years, we will become that answer. We will become the world's veterinary emergency company. That's our, our biggest picture. What that means is actually pretty obvious, honestly, what it means. Mm -hmm. We have a veg, you know, we have a veg here, a veg there. We used to say everywhere a band might stop on tour, we'll have a veg. Um, 
you know, but really anywhere there are pets that have emergencies will have a veg. The way I like to think of it is I, I picture first the United States, then I picture planet Earth, where there are these phantom veggies. Yeah. They're really there. The need is there. And now we just have to kind of build the walls around them and make them real. That's our plan over the next five, 10 years is to build out all of those veggies for this way. Everyone that has a pet that gets into an emergency um, can have that amazing open togetherness experience. Well, I mean, with uh, with all the expansion you're going through, and if someone's listening right now and they're looking to go a pathway there, they want to help kittens and puppies. Uh, what's the best <laughs> and way lizards more- and lizards <laughs> and lizards? What's the best way of getting more information about uh, veg? Easiest veg.com. Uh, don't be afraid to call us veg. Um, and uh, yeah, you just go to veg.com. You can find out information about uh, careers with us. You can find out where our locations are. There's a location finder. So wherever you are, just allow your browser to, to know your location and it'll, direct you to the nearest veg. Um, you know, cool thing that we do uh, if you're having an emergency with your pet is you call and you can speak with a doctor. Every medical question is answered by a doctor. That's not something that can happen anywhere else. And so, you know, the most common question is like, is this an emergency? Do I need to come in? Um, and our doctors will get on the phone and walk you through it. If your dog ate something that's just not poisonous and you thought it was, we'll tell you, Hey, good news. Stay at home. Um, wow. Others will tell you to come in. So uh, go to veg.com. It'll give you the phone number of the veg uh, nearest you. It'll give you the address, driving directions, um, all that best place to go. So is it, I mean, is that a doctor? Is it, are they just like kind of um, just taking calls or is it like it goes to like a receptionist and the receptionist transferred over? What's that? Cause that seems very different than I think a lot of, I think the looking for, the thing you're looking for is like, that seems hard uh, <laughs> yeah. to be a working doctor. It's our, it's our doctors that are on the floor wow. that are seeing emergencies um, they take the time to pick up the phone and, uh, juggle all that. Uh-huh. Um, and when our doctors can't see all those cases and juggle all that, we get more doctors so that they can. Um, and you know, we just want to own that emergency experience. You're having an emergency where the best people to answer all of your questions and, and treat all of your emergencies. And so, um, number one, if you need to know if it's an emergency or not, like we want to, want you to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Um, and not only that, there's a, a great thing that happens as you speak with a doctor, um, in the end, you know, they'll tell you, let's say, you know, you got to come in. I can't tell over the phone. I mean, if, if we do emergency over the phone, figure out how to do that, you'll put us out of business. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a hands-on sport. Like you got to, you know, you got to be able to feel and touch and see and, and do things. Um, so, that, you know, tell you to come in, being able to speak with the person, like sorry, uh, uh, work with the doctor that spoke with you on the phone. Um, that's really, that's really magical. More important than that, honestly, which most people don't realize because they've never experienced it is being able to form a relationship with the nurses that are actually doing the treatments, making your pet better. Most people mm-hmm. forget doctors, you know, the doctors kind of come in, they make sort of the, you know, high level, big picture decisions. They put their hands on your pet, bibbidi bobby boo, um, you know, make, make decisions, but it's really the nurses, right? That's hidden away. Even in, in human medicine, like the nurses don't get the, the acknowledgement that they really need. What? My wife's a nurse and she tells me that all the time. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, ask her how often, like, you know, ask her how often, like, uh, around the holidays, the box of chocolate sitting on, sitting on the table, you know, that somebody brought and it's got, it's got the doctor's name on it. Dear Dr. You know, yeah. Smith, uh, thank you for the amazing care. Um, the nurses are hidden, which is just a crime. Um, that's one great thing that we've done by opening up our hospitals. People can really see like the value, um, you know, our nurses really do most of the healing. Well, thank you. Um, David, for, for being on the Road to Growth podcast. Any last words of wisdom that you want to throw out to the audience? Uh, yes. Number one, focus, focus, focus. Know what you do. That's for if the entrepreneurs that are on the, uh, on the show. Um, 
Uh, and then I would say, um, watch what your dogs eat uh, for all the pet owners that are on the, that are, that are watching now, um, man, uh, you know, so many, so many pets eat so much stupid stuff, um, and, and need our help. So just watch what your pets eat. Uh, and then actually one more important thing is know who your local vet is. Like you should be able to name your veterinarian. If I ask you who your vet is, you should be able to give me a name. I want you to tell me the name of your veterinarian. Um, because they, you know, sort of maintaining your pet's health, you really need to do that. We see so many things that come in because uh, people just haven't been keeping up with their pet's health and eventually gets to a point where it's an emergency. Um, so help us do our job better by, you know, going to your local vet and getting the wellness care that you need. Thank you again, David, for, for being here on the Road Growth Podcast. I think for everyone listening right now, there's a lot of key takeaways, but one of the ones that probably sticks home with me for all the parents or young kids out there, if you got kicked out of school for doing something crazy, don't worry, their <laughs> life's not over. Things can still go forward. You could build a big business. You could build something like Veg. So thank you guys for listening. Please subscribe. Please share. And go in the show notes and go find Veg. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.